And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, February the 7th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today, in 1943, the government abruptly announced that wartime rationing of shoes made of leather would go into effect in two days. So everybody ran out and bought a pair of shoes, I'm sure. Some of you old guys may remember that. Anyway, they limited customers to buying three pairs of shoes per person per year. That rationing continued till October of 1945. Today in 1948, General Dwight D. Eisenhower resigned as the U.S. Army Chief of Staff. He was succeeded by General Omar Bradley. Today in 1962, President John F. Kennedy imposed a full trade embargo on Cuba, or Cuber, as he called it. Today, in 1971, women in Switzerland gained the right to vote through a national referendum 12 years after a previous attempt had failed. I'll bet you I know what happened during that period of time. From the time that that first referendum failed, the following 12 years, I'll bet the men in Switzerland got so sick and tired of hearing about it from the women. They said, yeah, let's let's do this. I don't know that, but I would guess that that was part of it at least. Today in 2009, a miles-wide section, miles-wide section of ice in Lake Erie broke away from the Ohio shoreline. It trapped about 135 fishermen sitting out there in those little huts. You know, they drag out on the, they drill a hole in the ice and fish. I've always kind of wanted to do that, but I've always kind of wondered what would happen if the ice did break away. Well, it did. In 2009, 135 fishermen were out there. It took about four hours before they could rescue all of them. I'm not sure how they did that, by boat or by how, but anyway, they did. But one guy, one fisherman fell into the water while he was waiting. He later died of a heart attack. That would not have been a good fishing trip that day. There's a sense in America today that Much of what we stand for and stand on in America has kind of broken away from the shoreline and we're adrift, if you please. Psalm 56, verse 11 says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. That is the basic tenet of faith in God. We either trust God or we trust government, we trust other people, we trust ourselves, we trust in our ability to do anything that needs to be done. But the Bible, the Bible directs us to put our trust in God. Be not afraid, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25, 26. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Don't be afraid even of fear itself. Neither of the desolation of the wicked. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. In the last letter that Paul would write, before he would be killed for the faith, he wrote the letter 2 Timothy. He said, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Keep a right spirit. Understand that power in our lives comes from God, not self-help books or classes. 
or lectures. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Don't get panicked living in the times in which we live because God is in control. I can't say that enough. And that's the most important thing that I have to say today to tell you that God is in control. Almighty God who created the heavens and the earth as far as you can see into the skies and beyond. He created it. And it operates precisely. The little planets spin and the galaxies move and the black holes appear and all of the stuff that happens. God spoke that into existence. And he will not forsake his people. And if you have accepted his son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior, and ask him to forgive you of your sins and make you a new person in Christ, that you confess that you believe that he is indeed the Son of God, that you believe that he is the Savior, the Messiah, that he can forgive your sins, that he died on a cross and was raised from the dead for our sins. You have God as the rock on which you build your life, emotionally and socially and spiritually. Do not be afraid. God is in control. And you put him in control of your life when you accept him, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. I noticed that Boeing is planning to cut 2,000 jobs in its finance and human resources department. That caught my eye on the human resources department. Uh, They're doing this in 2023, this year. The company said last month that they intend to hire about 10,000 new employees, but the focus is not going to be on human resources. It's going to be... It's going to be on um, uh, on the in the business units in engineering and manufacturing. In other words, somebody at Boeing has decided let's stop studying pronouns and let's stop deciding whether you know Joe is a boy or a girl and all of that. And lo- we better get back to business. The business is building airplanes. It's not looking at our belly button to figure out if we're a boy or a girl. So they have done this, and I, I'm not, this article that I'm looking at doesn't say that. That's me saying that. But I think that I think that's a part of it. When they start cutting human resources departments, and yet they're hiring 10,000 employees, they're a huge company. I think they have 150, 156,000 employees, I think I read here a while back. Huge company, but still 10,000 new hires while they're cutting human resources departments isn't normally the way that works. The more employees you have, normally you need more human resources, in my experience at least. So they're cutting human resources and hiring people that actually do things, uh, business units, engineering, manufacturing, and so on. I found that very interesting. It's kind of refreshing to me, actually, to see them doing that. They're actually going to be a real business again. Now, I'm not suggesting they weren't, but... Anyway, that caught my attention. I found it interesting. I hope you did. But I think many things explain the results of this new Associated Press poll that's out today. Incidentally, it's out today on the day that the President of the United States, Joe Biden, will be giving a State of the Union speech tonight. I plan to watch it 
Uh, I'll labor through it, but I'll, I'll watch. And um, I think many of you probably will as well. Some of you w- will not. But nonetheless, he'll be doing it tonight. I suspect he'll be um, he'll be celebrating. He'll be trumpeting his legislative victories and his ability to govern and so on. But there's a poll out th- today, this morning. From It's a new Associated Press poll along with this NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. They did a poll over the weekend that found the percentage of Democrats, not people, but Democrats, who want President Biden to seek a second term has plummeted from 52% last October to 37%. This is just Democrats. They said while Biden has trumpeted his legislative victories and ability to govern, the poll suggests relatively few U.S. adults give him high marks on either. Follow-up interviews with poll respondents suggest that many believe the 80-year-old, 80-year-old's age is a liability with people focused on his coughing, his gait when he walks, his gaffes, things he says that make no sense, and the possibility that the world's most stressful job would be better suited for someone younger. <laughs> These are Democrats now not just people in general and not just Republicans. Overall, the percentage of U.S. adults who said Biden should run against uh, run again for a second term has dropped from 29% last October to 22% in the latest Associated Press poll. Only 39% of people in the country think the State of the Union is strong. I heard someone arguing yesterday that they felt someone on, I think it was on Fox Business, but they think that the that we're in error thinking that the State of the Union is not strong. Um, they said because they think the Union itself is strong, but the leadership is so weak that people assume that the, the, the country, the system, our government is weak as well. And they were making the case that the government is strong, that our system of government in the United States is strong. It's just the leadership that's so weak. That may that may be true to a degree, but leadership determines a lot. And leadership is not figurehead in America. I mean, it matters. It matters in most countries, but especially the way we, uh, this country was created by our founders, of the people, by the people, for the people. I mean, it's really about the people and it's about choosing leadership that will do the will of the people. And we don't have that now, according to these polls. And I would certainly agree with all of that. And I would resoundingly agree with those who think he shouldn't run for another. I don't see how he can actually do that. Because even within the party, Hillary Clinton said the other day, and then they walked it back. But somebody quoted her that's very close to her, and she didn't deny it said that she didn't see how Kamala Harris could ever carve out a successful candidacy for president. And then when that got out into the public and some of the journalists started asking her about it, she, well, that wasn't exactly what I said, but she didn't deny that she said that. Elizabeth Warren came out the other day and she's not supportive of, and that's pretty, you know, that's pretty telling when they're that vocal and that, you know, open about it. Of course, Elizabeth wants to be wants to be president of the United States before she goes back to her uh, to her compound and retires on the reservation. But anyway, that's another story. Well, the U.S. Air Force—they're <laughs> saying that they 
purposely didn't shoot down the balloon, the the head of the Air Force, not not the real guys that do the work. They said they didn't shoot down the balloon because uh, they didn't want to hurt anyone on the ground. But that's why they waited till it was over the ocean off North and South Carolina to shoot it down, which they did successfully. Our guy went up and pulled the trigger and there was, the balloon was flat and falling. But um, I just had to wonder, did they really plan that? Because what they were saying in the beginning was that this wasn't all that big a deal. It wasn't important. And so on. I, I mentioned that last week near the end of it, when we start first started hearing about this thing. And I mentioned on this program, I, I said, man, they don't even plan to, take any action on that but public opinion grew so strongly that uh, against taking no action that they finally shot it down now they're saying that was the plan all along i don't believe them i I just don't because i know what they were saying four days ago it doesn't match up with what they're saying this morning but then i guess that's politics it certainly is not truth and that's where we have a real issue in our country today there's a lack of truth We try to get to it on this program, not suggesting that we have all the answers. I can tell you we don't, but I can tell you God does, the Bible does. And we try to look at everything that's happening in our nation, in our culture, through the lens of God's Word, through a biblical worldview. I want to thank all of you who support and make this possible. We don't have advertisements on this, and I'm big into advertisement, I like capitalism and all that but we just don't do that we are solely supported by those of you who listen and believe in what we're doing and trying to do on this program we have recently just the first of the month we've expanded into new mexico and i'm i'm asking those of you who are regular listeners and have been listening for a while and you kind of know what we're about and what we're doing and particularly those of you who support us if you can help us with this expansion. I just feel the Lord wanted us to do it. And I I talked about the fact that the first satanic abortion operation has been uh, the satanic temple. They call it part of their religion. We talked about that the other day, opening in New Mexico. I just feel like this program is supposed to be on there. I felt very strongly about it. So we did it. And I'm asking you to stand with me. And if you can help us with that, we need about $12,000 in this launch, which I've already pulled the trigger. We're doing it, but we need your help. And I think people in New Mexico, good Christian, conservative people will hear this program and they'll believe in what we're doing and want to be a part of it. And I think they'll support it in their area. Each area that this program is on, it is supported by the people listening there. In other words, if you're listening to KPDQ or uh, any program, wherever, uh, all of the ACN stations, Uh, That's supported by you who are listening in your area. And that is the way this has worked. And God has blessed it and God has spoken to hearts and you have responded. And I thank you. I am deeply, deeply appreciative. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. The last 40 years of the 8th century produced some really outstanding men who were used of God without error. They delivered God's message to the people, his inspired message, what we call the Bible. Isaiah, the prophet, was one of them. Secular historians define him as a statesman, a reformer, a theologian, 
and a poet. God saw him as perhaps that, but more than that. In fact, Jewish scribes recorded in the Talmud that for speaking the truth, Isaiah suffered the death of a martyr by being sawn in two. Some people, theologians and others, believe that this is the event that's referred to in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37. I suspect it is, myself. An example of Isaiah's so-called transgressions is speaking the truth to a dark and a lost culture. There's a point where a culture gets to that, gets to, where they no longer want to hear the truth because they can't handle the truth, because they live in darkness. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. There is a point where they not only resist, but they have so turned off their sensitivities and their spirit to the things that are right and good and wholesome and so on and virtuous, that they no longer have any sensitivities to what is right. An example of that is in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Nebraska, Nebraska, middle America, has shown us what that looks like. Good is evil. Evil is good. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Follow me closely because this, what I'm going to talk about today, doesn't turn out the way I thought it would when I began to study this particular situation here, and I wanted to talk about it on the radio. But driving kids to vacation Bible school would become a misdemeanor in Nebraska if this recent proposal by a Nebraska Senator Megan Hunt, obviously she's a Democrat, if that if her bill that she has before the, the, the legislature is passed into law, Hunt proposed to amend a bill that would protect children from adult-themed drag performances. In other words, there's a bill now that is going to stop kids from being parents or other misguided people dragging these kids in in front of these perverts who are sitting in libraries and all this kind of thing with their big black beard, dressed like women, reading these stories to these little kids. It's simply perversion in its worst form. That's what it is. So there's a bill in Nebraska to stop this. So this Nebraska senator, this Megan Hunt, she has amended the bill, and the, her amendment would protect children from adult-themed drag performances by striking all the language and replacing it with similar language to bar children from attending a religious indoctrination camp. Okay, what is a religious indoctrination camp? Well, it's like VBS, Vacation Bible School. It's like kids' retreats. It's like youth retreats. Driving kids to Vacation Bible School would become a misdemeanor if her proposal is passed. Joshua Arnold has written an article, and I'm drawing from some of that article, and I want to give him credit for that. Arnold says Hunt's amendment, filed on January 23rd, defines a religious indoctrination camp as a camp, vacation Bible study, retreat, lock-in, or convention held by a church, a youth group, or religious organization for the purpose of indoctrinating children with a specific set of religious beliefs. That's what they can't do now if this bill passes. 
The amendment would prohibit anyone under 19, that's Nebraska's age of majority, from attending a, a camp like this. It's declared anyone 19 or older who knowingly brings someone under 19 to a religious indoctrination camp to be guilty of a class one misdemeanor. The amendment would also prohibit anyone under 21 from a religious indoctrination camp with alcohol, regardless if the alcoholic liquor is, some churches, I guess, use that as communion, uh, actual uh, wine or alcohol. But anyway, that's what she's talking about here. Regardless if the alcohol is being served as part of a religious ceremony. And finally, the amendment slaps a $10,000 fine per offense on any business establishment or nonprofit organization that hosts a religious indoctrination camp and permits underage persons to attend. I know this sounds bizarre, but she's actually put that bill forward. And there's more. The amendment specifically targets Christian parents, churches, and faith-based organizations in its <clears throat> excuse me, in its sweeping ban on virtually all youth outreach efforts, including communion in some domin- denominations, as I said, that use some alcohol for their in their communion. Does she actually think this bill would pass? That was the question I was asking myself, and the answer is no, she doesn't. She's put it forward. She's made a mockery of the process in in Nebraska. But when asked, she says, I don't think it'll pass. She says, but she said, I did this to make a point. Somehow she expects others to take her point seriously when she doesn't even take her own job seriously. Or the Nebraska legislature seriously. Why is she mocking the whole process, including her comrades in the Nebraska legislature. Some are suggesting, I mean, people, this is getting around and people are looking at this and some are suggesting she truly is concerned about children and their legitimate protection because it goes into detail about all the abuses of children in organized religion. And I didn't go through that with you. I mean, it's, she goes after the Catholic church and the Protestant church and she brings up cases where pastors or leaders in churches, Catholic and Protestant, have abused children and so on. And certainly there is that. I mean, we we are broken, including leaders of the church. I mean, we are sinful people except for the grace of God. So this has happened, and we've all are aware of that. So she brings a whole bunch of that up, gets it on the record in the Nebraska legislature. But I don't believe her because she betrays her own words. Because some wolves put in sheep's clothing, the elected leader is suggesting shepherds should never gather their flocks. In other words, Christian people should never meet because a child might be abused. I mean, that's the argument she's making. It's very divisive. Satan is divisive. Apparently, she's trying to draw a parallel between church youth camps and so-called drag queen shows. And I think that's exactly what she's doing. Megan Hunt made history in 2018. This legislator, in 2018, she became the first openly LGBTQ woman ever elected to the Nebraska legislature. Oh, I see. Yeah. Joshua Arnold makes this point. He said, quote, Imagine for a moment that the LGBT ideology is really a religion. Not an independent religion, mind you, but a photo-negative cult mockery of Christianity. 
It has its own deity, the self. Core doctrines such as identity is self-determined. It has its own system of positive and negative morality, requiring affirmation and rejecting all constraints on sexual expression. He says, quote, it, it has its own community, which, like a church community, cares for its own. He said the parallels go on and on. In this analogy, a religion built around sexual perversion and therefore hostile to procreation and family, God's plan for humanity, must find some way in which to sustain itself. It does so by imitating Christian evangelism strategies. Arnold says, just like a church camp or a vacation Bible school proclaims the gospel and other Christian teachings to children, including some who wouldn't otherwise hear, so an all-ages drag show exposes children, including some who wouldn't otherwise be exposed to the doctrine and values of the LGBTQ blah 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 religion. Sexual promiscuity, defiance of gender norms, and celebration of uninhibited self-expression is their gospel. LGBTQ apologists often distinguish themselves by their uncompromising religious fervor, and they do. I remember as a pastor, there were some that would come into our church and try to, the church was growing, it was large, but they would come into the church and try to carve out a sphere of influence sometimes. This is what's happening in our culture today. That's why Isaiah wrote in chapter 5, verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The prophet is talking about a nation that's at war with itself. And more importantly, it's a nation that is at war with God. And that was where Israel was at the time of this writing. He was talking about Israel while defining our own modern-day America. Isaiah 5 begins a new section with a parable about a vineyard that produces wild grapes despite all the work that the owner has done. The vineyard is Israel, the owner is the Lord. He will lay waste to the vineyard for the greed and the drunkenness of the people. They will go into exile and ultimately into the grave, if you read that portion of Isaiah. It is a very alarming part of Isaiah's writing. We often hear verse 20 quoted, but there's more to it than that. He enumerates their sins, covetousness and greediness and worldly wealth and all of these kinds of things which result in famine. Rioting and reveling and drunkenness leads to captivity and all the miseries that go with it. Presumption in sin and defying the justice of God in verses 18 and 19 we have all redefined justice in America. Equity, not equality. Tonight, the President of the United States will celebrate how much he has moved the LGBTQ agenda forward. He will likely lament that Roe v. Wade was overturned while promising to fight for women's health care, which means abortion. When everything seems to be falling apart, it isn't. It's falling together because God is in control. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.